You're now listening to the Hudson Valley Transmitter Podcast. song on a wide open road with the summertime top down dreaming me away from a dreamless sleeping living off in the sky high with the galaxy spinning me sitting all alone making rainbows with a hose singing goodbye summertime sunshine goodbye to the heat of the night hold on you know we had a good ride well now i want Go back home. Living, loving, losing, dreaming, it's a beaming. Can you feel the heartbeat inside my skin? Can you feel the light that I feel within? Oh, baby, you know it feels so right. Time to say goodbye. Say goodbye. Well, first I want to say I, I met you, and um, I was working for a daily newspaper. Right. And I had walked in, and I was doing a story about parking meters, I remember. Yep, yep. And I asked you what you thought about them. And I was kind of, like, blown away by what I had walked into, because uh, it was something I wasn't expecting, um, which is you're, you're the proprietor, owner of right. My Place Pizza, mm-hmm. which is on Main Street in Poughkeepsie. That's right, yeah. And um, when I walked in there, I was like, holy shit, like, this is a really cool place. Because I saw you had the whole, not only, you know, you had good pizza and stuff in the front, and then in the back, you had a music venue. Right. You know, which you've transformed into a music venue. And what was back there before you made those renovations? Well, when I walked into the place five years ago, it was... Um, all restaurant seating. I had actually looked at a number of places. I had looked at um, uh, Quinn's. I had looked at Dogwood. Oh, really? And I would looked at a number of places, a couple places up in Kingston and even down in Brooklyn. I looked at a few places. And I had been looking for a long time. Um, I ended up picking up the place in uh, Poughkeepsie because it's an entire apartment building as well as the yeah. business. <clears throat> and... Uh, there's a lot of room, so it didn't really 100% depend on the business. I don't know if you remember five years ago, it seems like a long time in, in here in Beacon. Yeah. But both uh, Dogwood and, and Quinn's, along with a lot of other places, were actually empty and had been. Uh, well, actually, Quinn's was open as a restaurant, as a lunchtime restaurant. That was like a diner. Diner. Before, yeah. So it was a very similar setup to Quinn's. Um, except it was even bigger. And um, 
you know, I just, I obviously, I knew it wasn't, um, Poughkeepsie wasn't as, uh, far, as far along as, uh, Beacon, as far as, um, becoming a nicer place for people to go and to be. Um, but I felt it wasn't far behind. Um, and I also felt the, um, you know, there's, there's something just about the freedom of not having to, um, make money. Yeah. Because so if the prices of the real estate is that low, then it, it gives you a little more artistic freedom to, you know, well, I really don't have to make that much money to still be here and do what I want to do. That's interesting, though. I didn't know you had looked at those other establishments, which are also music venues, yeah. but in Beacon. Um, yeah, for instance, Quinn's was yeah. a was a lunchtime diner only. Yeah. So it it didn't have like music venue written on it at all. Right. And did it surprise you when it did become a music venue? No, it, okay. it really didn't surprise me. Um, I mean, that's what I had in mind for it yeah. when I, when I walked in there and looked around. I thought that uh, my place pizza had more um, options it's a much bigger space um, it had a lot more flexibility as to what could be done with it um, so I thought Quinn's was a little you know it, the similarities are striking uh, they're both 1970s restaurants mine was a pizza shop but pizza restaurant being run as a as a lunchtime pizza shop, it was closed on weekends. It was closed at six o'clock at night. It was closed. Um, so I just thought that between my, um, before I started getting more into music, I'd been in pizza delivery business for a long time all over the region. And uh, so I thought between the my connections with music and musicians, um, and my and my delivery expertise, I would able to take what was already there and build add those two things to it. So you gutted the back for those who haven't been there. It's um, there's these older style booths, right? Right. That um, I'm assuming were there when you yep. came in, and then you gutted some of those in the back and you made it sort of a a, a venue or a, sort of yeah. a, a stage all, all I really did was uh, was take out the tables and chairs yeah. and the whole back uh, section there which was booths and tables and chairs and uh, we painted it a different color and then I had uh, Leah Simone come in and paint the um, the psychedelic wallflower on the back of the, the shop which I love is an amazing piece of artwork it covers the back wall and kind of sets the stage and sets the the tone. Um, anybody taking pictures of anybody performing, it's going to be right behind them yeah. and above them. Um, so that's really it. It's a very special place. It's uh, got a the feeling when you walk in is almost palpable uh, in terms of there's a, I feel like an energy there, an aura uh, mm -hmm. that I felt when I first came in, and um, can you talk uh, uh, well do you first do you view it as as a special place because I do and as corny as that sounds there's not too many music venues like that in the area sure um, and I grew up playing music too and it was a big part of my life so those types of venues hold a, a special place for me you know what I mean because it's a place that's still promote, uh, promoting 
live music and you know unsigned bands and creativity right. and it's kind of a hub for that well it's been amazing to see how that's really exploded even even in the past five years since i took over that place of course quinn's and dogwood are, are doing it but not only those places i see bagel shops doing yeah. especially here in beacon lots and lots of places there's it's almost like every place when i started that um it was basically the warehouse in, right in newburgh that's a great place too. a great place yeah yeah and uh you know that really for me being a musician as well is and i did play there uh before i you know before i started looking for my own business like that <clears throat> um is you know for me that's what made Newburgh more interesting like okay well that's a reason to go to Newburgh and uh when I put the word out um hey let's do a show with some uh people I knew I knew plenty of people in the music you know the local music scene um and then word spread very quickly at the time I was one of the only other places it was basically warehouse my place feeds of course there's places over in new paltz that that were there for years and years but um the places here in beacon weren't open to do yeah. that so it it kind of built steam very quickly and i think a lot of people felt exactly like you did um and that's also how i feel you know it, it's uh where can you go to play music and and five years ago there wasn't, there's very few places. New Paltz, there's a number of places in New Paltz. Like Snugs. Yeah, and, Snugs. Yeah. I played Snugs many, many times. Oasis um, and other places too if you're more traditional. Um, but uh, I knew that, the, you know, people like to play music. People like to be in bands and, you know, pizza and beer and music is a pretty easy one. It's and it's something I enjoy. Yeah. And, uh, and I thank you for, you know, noticing and feeling that. Um, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because um, you have people who want to go to a pizza shop, a lunchtime pizza shop, and they're, they want to feel like, okay, I'm going to a lunchtime pizza shop. Right. And to be honest, uh, a lot of those people don't come by very much anymore. So it's kind of shifted to more of what you're talking about, which is, uh, you know, a kind of cool hangout place. And yeah, we've got great pizza. Uh, we've got award-winning pizza that people love. Um, and more of the new people who are moving into to Poughkeepsie, our ratings are great on um, Yelp. And so they they call us for our innovative toppings like the, the sautéed kale, onion, and garlic, um, or the... Um, cauliflower crust uh recently we've we've started um serving uh, vegan cheese uh which is really quite tasty uh one of the a band member actually who'd been there a number of times brought in a bag and he's like can you make my pizza with this this stuff's awesome and i was like sure so i made it with that so like um, a very dia. particular kind of cheese yeah it's a dia um vegan uh, cheese substitute mm -hmm. kind of thing. They don't even call it cheese. You know, <laughs> it's like a mozzarella type blend or something. But um, I tried it and it was great. 
that would taste it great on the pizza and i was like sure and then he was having a big benefit um and he's like can you please order a bunch of this because my i'm gonna have it my some of my people are gonna have it and so i went ahead and ordered a whole case of it and it's that kind of thing that we've had some really good success on because people can't find it anywhere else right and so I realize, you know, five years into it that you do have to kind of, you specialize at what you're good at. And uh, even, it even took me, like when you came into the shop, we had the music in the back and that's still where we do the shows. Mm -hmm. And I had kind of kept the front like a pizza shop. Like you walk in, it's a pizza shop. Like you have to get to know that there's music back there. You actually have to go into the place. But um, more recently, I've moved the piano and drums to the front of the pizza shop. So that, and actually my guitar as well. <clears throat> so a lot of times my buddy James comes over, um, you know, if it's not busy making pizza, we'll, we'll jam out an incredible jam, you know, open the door and just play to the streets of Poughkeepsie. And it, that has been really amazing. You know, it's not amazing because people are coming in to buy pizza, but it's amazing because people are coming in and being like, wow, this is amazing. Right. You know, this is awesome. And it really is. Uh, we're, we're producing incredible music that we're just improvising on the spot. So that's really more where the focus is. And, and, and some part of me is like, why did it take you so long to put what you love up front? Right. So when I first got into it, I was thinking much more along the lines of business. Right. Of what does the customer want? What are we going to do for that? And even even like a question mark. Well, what does what does the place want to be? What does the community want this to be? And it took me a long time of kind of trying to feel that out to realize that it's no, it's not. It's what I want it to be that really is is the only thing that matters. I think that's really cool, and I think you know you, you, you probably yeah you don't want to be another run of the mill pizzeria because yeah, you're not. not that kind of guy. Yeah, of and, course. Uh, not. There's already there's already a lot of them yeah. all over the place, and the weather's getting warm, and what mm -hmm. a better time to open up the doors and play some music. And but I think that's really cool too because you're um, like you said you you took it from the back and you put it towards the front, so now it's more prominent of you know it, and it's. Um, I mean, a rock and roll, it's a rock and roll pizzeria. I yeah. Mean, it's not, now it's a, and, and rock and roll comes first. It's not yeah. pizza and rock and roll. It's yeah. a rock and roll pizza shop. And when I describe it to people like that, they're always like, oh, cool. I want to check that out. Yeah. If I describe it to them as, oh, my place pizza, they're like, okay, right. you know, I'll check it out sometime. But how many rock and roll pizza shops are there? There's a few out there. You know, I know there, there's a place in Connecticut that, that does a similar. There's two boots. They they do live stuff like that. The only place I I know that did anything like that was the Charleston in Brooklyn. And they would have uh, shows downstairs. And if you ordered a beer, you'd get a small personal Right. Pie. Yeah. Yes. The, is that the place in Greenpoint? Uh, yeah. There's well, another place in Greenpoint. It was on. A similar um, thing. It was close. It was very close. It was right on the fringe there. It was on, uh, I think, Manhattan Manhattan Avenue. Whatever the main drag is in uh, in Williamsburg there. Right. I'm blanking on what street, what the name of the street is, but it was you know, right there. 
right right next to Greenpoint. Yeah, so maybe it's the same place. Maybe I know there was another place up there that they they exactly they either they copied it or it was the same place, but they had like little mini pie. And it was like a free beer with the pizza or a free pizza with the beer. <laughs> that, and then there, yeah, right on Bedford Avenue was Bedford. The, uh, that was the place. Yes. That's the place right. we're talking about. Yes. And downstairs they did the shows. Yes. I've been in that place a number of times. Uh, I don't think I ever played there. I played a couple of the other ones up and down. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. I haven't been there in ages and I don't even know if they still do that. No. Or that's something that stuck out to me. Somebody was saying that, you know, it's. A lot has changed. A lot of those places actually aren't in business anymore. Um, well, I would say kind of gone higher end. You yeah. Know. Well, it, that's um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, and I, I definitely want to talk about some of the shows that have been at my place, and also about Six Seven and your band. But um, you know, you were, you had mentioned that you were considering first opening shop in Beacon. I mean, do you think it's kind of a good thing that you didn't because you're talking about Williamsburg right in Greenpoint and how that started off as more of a you know gritty type area absolutely that turned around and then became un- unaffordable for a lot of people yeah so and that I'm not sure where that you know beacon is in that uh, kind right. of spectrum of happening it but, zoomed up really quickly that's yeah. for sure and you know we saw it in the East Village as well you know if I've played CBGB's Oh, no shit. And, and uh, a couple of the other clubs that were down there at the time. And, uh, you know, and I've been in New York since the late 80s when, you know, you would go and see, if you went into the city on whatever night or day, you'd see burning cars or bur- a rusted hulk of a burned car. Yeah. And, it was a different place. And it was a completely yeah. different place and, and shattered glass all over the place. Yeah. And, you know, you never left anything in your car. And uh, uh, because somebody would break into it and the signs in the windows, you know, there's no radio. The doors are open, you know, just please don't break my windows. <laughs> <laughs> so and and now and then, you know, I've, a few years back, I used to play um, my buddies and I would get in the van with some battery powered amps and battery backup and would play out of the van in the in the city and oh, no shit yeah it was great and we'd we'd actually make really good money really yeah P, if you play we we played on Delancey like if you played on if you got a good spot Delancey on a Friday night you know people were tipping you twenties they're just throwing money at you because they're drunk that's awesome the cops didn't bust your balls uh, well about permits that's or what anything. I'm saying when we yeah. started this, so now we're going back probably you know eight or nine years ago. Um, and I did it for maybe two years. Um, and, but by the time we were, by the time we stopped is, is the reason why we stopped is because the cops started getting much more strict about that. Yeah. So it used to be, you know, whatever, they're not hurting anybody, but in a time of a few years that went from that kind of freedom to, you know, no, there's, there's rules, blah blah blah. You can't do this. Next time we're gonna give you a ticket, and so it wasn't worth it. After um, you know, maybe about seven, six or seven years ago, yeah, we were just like, it's not worth going there. But it was a lot of fun while we did it, <clears throat> and I think that kind of freedom, yeah, is is similar to P- Poughkeepsie right now. You know, I ride my bike in Poughkeepsie, 
I definitely don't pay attention to any street signs or traffic lights or anything. I pay, pay attention to the laws of physics and cars and you know, I'm very aware <laughs> of my surroundings. And, uh, but um, that kind of, I get into my car and then I'm like, oh man, this is really a drag. I have to stop at every stoplight. I have to, I have to, you know, do this and that. On the bicycle, it's like unlimited freedom. And of course, the police aren't worried about right. a guy riding his bike around. Yeah. You know, they've as got other bigger hurt. things to worry about. Yeah. Whereas I know in the city now, um, I was just talking to my buddy Jeff, who's a messenger down there. He got pulled over by a cop because he, like, went through a red light or something like that. And, you know, he he, had, he outran him on the bike, you know, going down <laughs> one-way streets and stuff. Nice. But the point is there is, a, there is a certain freedom in a place where there's not so much money because there's other things that, you know, people are like, okay, whatever, man. Right. You know, as long if you're not, you know, hurting somebody, then more we serious got, priorities. there's more serious things yeah. to worry about. Yeah, so that kind of freedom I do like. Um, and, and you know, for me, I really wanted to set up something that enabled me to play more music. And what I found was that, you know, probably naively I thought that. Because what I found is, well, you can't say, okay, I'm going to go into business, so I'm going to play more music. It usually doesn't work that way. You know, because it's a full-time commitment. And um, so, you know, if I had been, say, Dogwood or uh, any any place here in Beacon, and let's say it was more successful like these places I think are, um, you know, that would be its own thing. And that's what I would have to be. And... uh, it seems to me the universe has been ever since I've been starting to play music, which is 15 or 20 years now, it's kind of taking away the other options for me. It's like, you know, you can't really do that anymore. You can't really do that anymore. And I keep thinking in a linear terms of, okay, well, let me do this so I can make money. And then, you know, I'll do that. So when you say can't do that anymore, you mean like being adult, like you can't do yeah. certain activities that you used well, to do when you were younger? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> like, like, um, you know, being in, selling pizza, like thinking that oh. it's about selling pizza. It's not about selling pizza. I understand. It's about being who I am. Right. That's that's what the key is. And so I can I I can imagine. Okay, well, this is what I'm going to do, or that's what I'm going to do, but. You know, I really have all the choices have been taken away from me, you know, and as much as I want to be successful at at the pizza business, there's really not that much of a business there that way. So it's like, okay, well, you can't focus on that. You got to focus on what you're what you're good at. And, And putting that music up front has really made has been a big change for me mentally because. Number one, when I play, I'm automatically elated for that day, for that time, right. and then and then I feel the afterglow for a couple of days afterwards. And if I don't play, if I don't have a good jam session or produce something that I I like, um, and at this point in my music, I don't really care to do it all by myself. 
I say if it if it's going to be valid, other people have to be like, yeah, this is this is awesome, not just me. And so, for me, playing with other people is a big is a big part of that. And uh, you know, obviously, and that was a, another reason for the whole pizza shop was okay. We'll start doing live shows. I'll meet a lot of musicians. I'll make a lot of connections, and I can start. I can find the people who I'll be playing with. For years and years from now, um, I'll find the right people are going to come to me, um, or you know, I'll be exposed to them, or we're going to click, and it kind of has happened. Um, I think very within the past, you know, there's always it's always happening, it's always happening, but it's it happens more and more. We played, yeah, yeah, and, we did jam one night, yeah, and and basically anybody I've jammed with customers who come in. And they see the they see the stuff there, and they're like, "Oh man!" And I'm like, "You ready to jam?" Because I am. <laughs> and uh, and you know, a lot of times we'll bang out an awesome jam, you know, where there's no expectations and there's no. Uh, sometimes that allows a, a magic to to just because it doesn't matter. You're just like, whatever. Let's just do this. Do you feel that that's um, significant or? Uh a representation of your personality just kind of letting it flow so you're into that type of music where or like when we would jam we didn't really have any ideas right. we just came in and we were kind of improvising but you kind of let it go where the song was you know yeah. where it takes you and maybe you have something really unique at the end and i feel like you kind of taken a similar approach with hmm. the restaurant you know you just kind of um you kind of improvised and you know uh you know so i'm trying to think of the jazz term yeah um you um, know i think it is improv yeah, improvisation and you know then you came up with something that was really unique and uh different and um you know because it, the, I, the the name in you know, my place pizza sometimes maybe people don't they think it's a family yeah you know, pizzeria well that is the original name yeah and it's been my place since 1975 and that's interesting too because like Quinn's did that too right because mm -hmm. Quinn's was Quinn's and they decided yeah. to keep the name yeah the and, sign uh, and everything is it something about keeping the the um you know kind of the history to what Absolutely. the place was yeah well I I always have admired that in places that I go. You know, and I know people come in frequently and they're like, man, if you were in Brooklyn, you'd be a smash hit. Because if you're a place that's been there since 1975, it's like, no, we go to this place. This is yeah. where we go. That's the place. Right. It's a stalwart in the community. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, for me, I think, I feel like that has a value. and And it's just like, and I'm also a big believer in um, using what you have. Um, you know, there's a lot of churning in America uh, of, you know, tear it down and put up something new, tear it down and put up something new. Yeah. And <clears throat> so you're kind of anti that by keeping the names. Well, of? well, plus when you don't have money to do anything, then you, you're just like, OK, keeping things the same is is the the. The way to go. More, more, most sustainable way you can go, generally speaking, um, at least in the short term, you know, barring barring something else. But, you know, Poughkeepsie is a place where there's uh, a fair number of uh, vacancies in the in the commercial 
sector, just like Beacon was maybe yeah. eight years ago. You know, it's fifty percent vacancies walking up and down the street. Do the does the city uh, that you know of do anything like Newburgh, where they'll have uh, like an auction for those properties just to get people kind of on the tax rolls and kind of fixing them up? Or sure, yeah, they do that. Is and that actually, people are people are fixing up their places. Yeah. Um, and you know, buying the, the junked up buildings and fixing them up. Uh, there's not a huge demand for the spaces that are there so people are doing it kind of slowly they have plenty of time i think it's a lot like what happened in beacon is the people had the money the property was cheap they bought it and were and they weren't so interested in okay this is what we're going to do with it right now to maximize uh making money so they're going to sit on it was more like okay this is a great building Let's build it. I'll, I'll, you know, put a studio here. I'll open one day a week when I come up from the city. There's so many great buildings. So many great yeah. buildings. Yeah. Well, here in Beacon and in, in Poughkeepsie. Definitely. Um, I read somewhere that they they say it's almost a benefit that Poughkeepsie didn't have a continued um, economic uh, vibrancy because they probably would have tore down a lot of those buildings mm. to make room for the like new Rite updated things. Yeah, exactly. Rite A's and things like that. And if you go through Poughkeepsie now, you're going to see, you know, beautiful, you know, beautiful mansions, beautiful buildings. They're not uh, necessarily in, in tip top shape right now. Some of them are, some of them are, are pretty run down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like my buildings, uh, 1835, uh, brick building and a lot of the renovation I did in the in the apartments I really didn't do any renovation I just basically tore out everything and brought it to the original apartment and I was amazed to find under like three layers of floor and two layers of ceiling and three layers of wall that there's hardwood floors there's actually a hardwood ceiling in one of the apartments and wow. brick brick walls and you know like unfortunately they don't make it like they used no to. they don't make yeah. it like that anymore and, yeah. and it all yet it was all there all along just covered up i wish they never got rid of the there was like floor to ceiling windows that he took out i was like oh my god because i saw when i took the walls out you could see where the old windows were and um that's a shame yeah some so some of the some of some of the elements are gone but most of it's still there. So using what you have, uh, making the best of it, you know, maintaining it. Um, it was kind of because number one, I didn't have a lot of money to do other things. You know, it would, it would be neat to go in there and say, okay, let's put in a rooftop garden and solar panels and, you know, swanky apartments. Um, and some of my neighbors have actually done that, and a lot of the people moving into the neighborhood are uh, fairly well-to-do, uh, at least right in my block, <clears throat> which is on Main Street. Um, but, uh, yeah. So you're, um, I feel like, kind of an enigma to me because I grew up in this area, and I played music in this area, and I did play the chants a lot in the loft, and I was in that area a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, our paths had never crossed. Right. So until that day that I had mentioned previously where I came into the restaurant and was kind of, you know, really excited about what was going on there. 
Um, so where where are you from? When did you move to the Hudson Valley? Um, where did you grow up? Well, actually, I grew up overseas. I was born right? born in England and lived in South America until I was twelve years old. Oh wow! And I moved to Northern Virginia with my with my parents and family, um, and when I was twelve. So wow. that's when I was exposed to America. And uh, even though I am American, uh, my father was in the Foreign Service, the State Department. So uh, I went to school in Northern Virginia. Uh, we did go back overseas a little bit in between, but I ended up uh, going to college in uh, Northern Virginia as well at George Mason University. Got into the pizza business down there, um, Domino's Pizza, pizza delivery. You know, I was <laughs> delivering while I was going to school. Yeah. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, I, I saw a good opportunity to get into business. I was studying business in school or to go into business. And I just went into business and I opened up my first um, store when I was 22 years old on Long when Island. 22? Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was a very successful store. And I what, what type of store was that? Domino's Pizza. Oh, it was a Domino's Pizza. Yeah. I'm sorry you said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I opened uh, four Domino's on Long Island. Oh, wow. So you had the, the franchise. In the late 80s and uh, through the 90s. Gotcha. And uh, made a lot of money, spent a lot of money, uh, and realized, I'm like, okay, well, that was cool. But what are you really, really going to do with your life? You know? Yeah, I saw the opportunity and and took it. Um, but then, like a lot of things, you know, I got married. I had my first child. Um, you start, you get mortgages, you, right. get, you get responsibilities. And then it's, you don't have as much freedom as before. So even though I did play with a, with a couple of college bands down in, in uh, Northern Virginia, it was never with people who were serious enough or it wasn't exciting enough to be like, oh my God, we're on to something here. Let's there really re- do it. Yeah, there really wasn't much of a scene, at least that I was exposed to. Uh, Northern Virginia was basically suburbia. It's like suburbia for miles and miles and miles and miles. Uh, new suburbia too. So... There was very little live music uh, that I was even playing with some guys. Almost seems like a surprise, you know, luck. Um, there wasn't like a scene or Craigslist. anything like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a scene. You know, there wasn't an open mic. There was none of that yeah. stuff. How <laughs> that far is pl- that from like Richmond? It's pretty far from Richmond. Yeah. We're in Northern Virginia. Is basically Washington D.C. suburbs. Gotcha. Yeah. Just so in Virginia, well, maybe the I'll District think- of Columbia mm. is is actually in Maryland. The Virginia side didn't want to give their part to uh, the District of Columbia, so that's uh, what is it like Alexandria? Alexandria. And, yeah. No, not Richmond. Um, my mistake. I used to live in Silver Spring. Yeah, Silver Spring's not too far away. Yeah, and sometimes Silver Spring, Maryland. Yes. Yeah. I would go to an open mic. It was in. It was a cool place because it was a mechanic garage hmm. that they converted into like a coffee shop and bar. Right. And then in do- like inside from there was a little stage area and stuff. But I had to do a lot of scouting around to find it. I don't think there was many places like that. I just happened to stumble upon it. Yeah, it wasn't as easy as it is yeah. today. I mean, I remember when what was it? OpenMics.org. 
came out, you know, and it was like, oh man, there's there, there's all of these across the you know the tri-state area, and I I could I could go to one almost every single night. Um, you so know, it sounds like when you so at that point you wanted to play music professionally. Is that well? Once I once I had sold had, the exactly, I'd sold the restaurants. Well, at that point, and I still was in Domino's, and I, and it was a, a great. Uh, job and career at the time and it enabled me and I actually had plenty of freedom and time it wasn't very time consuming uh, because we were we were busy enough you had managers you had plenty of staff doing everything um, that I had plenty of time you know I could take it was a supervisory role and then I could I could play more music and that's actually what I ended up doing um, well first I went I had my own pizza shop you know, I was still thinking linearly, like business, like what am I going to do? We had a right. pizza and video delivery uh, <laughs> business back when they had videos yeah. and stuff before the Blockbuster internet. Blockbuster days. Yeah. <laughs> and we would deliver pizza. It was in Manhattan. And we would deliver pizza and video. So you were like the first... Uh well, Netflix used to mail yeah. you the DVDs, right? So exactly. You were like the first Netflix before there was before Netflix. there was, and we would deliver. <laughs> you could get a video if you wanted, or a video and pizza, and we would actually come and pick up your your video the next day because you're right wow. in our little neighborhood, and it's like you give us a call. That's a cool idea. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, a couple of years after that, you know, the internet kind of it was squashed. You, it. I could see it. Well, it was 2000, 2001. It was like 2000. And I could, I, I was like, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, we're gonna have streaming video. So you saw that back Absolutely. then. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's some foresight. And I, I was like, so I'm just gonna be another pizza shop in Manhattan. I don't think so. Yeah. And so I sold it. Um, luck. I was lucky to be able to sell it. You know, other people were excited about it, and they didn't have that same kind of foresight as I did. Um, and then I went back into Domino's and I was like, okay, I'm going to go back into Domino's. I bought the shop in Middletown, New York. Um, we moved out there, not too far from there. So you moved up with your family. Yeah, I moved Middletown. up with my family gotcha. out there. And, um, Oops, and, and started, you know, doing that and, and playing more music. And that's when I really did play a lot more um, around the tri-state area. But of course, you know, one of the things that you have an advantage of when you grow up um, with with high school friends and whatnot, a lot of successful bands that actually are there for a long time are mostly because they the people of the band know each other and gelled or have a connection with each other from even when they were in high school or right. even those kinds of things if you talk to bands you're like well how did you guys get together and at least sometimes it's two of the people are like okay well we've always been together and then you know other people come and go so the chemistry the chemistry yeah and so i didn't have any of that because i'm sitting here floating around you know i don't remember anybody from my High school, I, I do have one friend, Gordon McCracken, from high school who we found through Facebook. And, of course, there's others. But, um, you know, until recently, they, they were all gone, everybody. And I certainly haven't seen those guys I've played with in, in uh, college. You know, now it's many years and years and years gone by. So the actual meeting people who are, like, along the same lines with a close enough, you know, t to bond 
where you can play music together is not something that's that's that easy to do and five years five years of having a pizza shop and being there every every day and jamming with all kinds of people and having open jams jamming with you jamming with hundreds of people and uh you know finally you get the right kind of combination of okay they live close enough they're available enough i like the dude we like each other and the music vibes you know it's very difficult yeah absolutely i mean um i've played in bands it's like dating right it's, it's like dating with three like dating. three or four people to so find enough harder. people to actually get something off the ground and um yeah get everyone to practice get everyone to the show mm-hmm. you know and then maintain that yeah you know, then you have to have an, enough excitement and enough momentum to be like yeah we, we're going to be doing this yeah this is what's happening and let's go well especially too um you know with touring you know you have to get people like you said in a van how hard is that? Get them to travel mm-hmm. around, leave their lives and their, you know, whatever they have going on back Absolutely. home. Absolutely. And it's expensive. You know? It's expensive. Um, and then people start having babies. Yeah. And then, what, you know, well, when girlfriends, wives, and babies, uh, you know, that really is going to separate out everybody. Only, only the only, only people who are going to be like, well, girlfriends, wives, and babies, but I still play music. This is what I do that's that's the people who are like yeah this is what i do everybody else a lot of people when you start holding your child you know you're like well that's all good and fine but i gotta do what i gotta do to take care of my child and i know i'm that way too um you know i'm not gonna just be like oh whatever guys (laughs) see you later uh i gotta go play music (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go play some music now (laughs) so you know that's fine you know nothing's more valuable than than my children and it's uh you know it's the bittersweet thing of life you know i i did some light touring with my old band nice and um it was really expensive and we maxed out credit cards and i think towards the end we started to hate each other oh man and uh you know we only would, would do a show out of town or we'd try and we went to seattle and portland to do some shows and um, you know, we we're all people that really respected each other, but when you're in that environment and you're not making any money, right? And it's tough, and you're sleeping like three guys in a bed. It's not fun. You can only do it for so long. No, the you fun know? wears off pretty quick. Yeah, and and then the reality of playing shows, you know, sometimes empty venues, sometimes not very, you know, a couple people, uh, you know. It, it's tough if, if you want to be in music, you know. Uh, do you think the internet has done good things in that regard? Or because it's also totally flipped the industry on its side, which you could say is a good thing because now there's so many bands you otherwise would never have heard of. That's true. That you are being exposed to, but they're probably not, you know, I don't know if they'll, I was talking to another musician who was on a couple episodes ago. And I don't think they'll ever be like a Bowie again. Yeah, or I agree. A Prince, the superstars. Yeah, the days of superstars. I think um, was a special time, you know, through the the late '60s and the early '70s, and then of course, and that maintained, but kind of divided. You know, in the in the early times, it was like you know, ten people, or you know, fifty people, if right. you really you know, who were stars. 
And then maybe through the 80s, it was probably hundreds or, or thousands of people, uh, you know, and and it just keeps dividing and dividing. And now it's millions. There's millions of people. And there's lots of really great music out there. The time I've spent and the p- bands that come through, some of, you know, are, are as good, way better, and honestly, than what you hear on the radio in, in some very special cases. And you're like, wow, this this guy or these people should be superstars. Yeah. You're talking about performing in the restaurant. Um, well, more when, when I by. when I used to go to the city and oh, you know, I understand. We we have we have some really good bands come through the restaurant yeah. and I'm a huge proponent of the bands we have in the Hudson Valley. Absolutely, but uh, I mean, especially living in New York City when you were during those times, there must have right. been a, a ton of ton of amazing bands yeah well i was doing like a singer songwriter thing yeah. at the time where would you perform a lot uh well the the place that really got me hooked in the city was a place called the sidewalk cafe yeah that's that's still around they yep they're still around yeah. i was there not too long ago and latch did the anti-hoot um and the anti-folk fest which i was a part of i guess it must have been in the early 2000s um you know, which is basically like punk rock on an acoustic guitar without a band um, or irreverent rock or whatever. So was, was the someone hell. like Beck, like the Absolutely. forefront or something like that, would you yeah, say? Yeah, the moldy, the, 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 big, the big people who came out of that scene were Moldy Peaches. Um, there was a girl who had a song on uh, a movie. You know, that was the biggest thing that came out. But there really were some uh, incredible songwriters who were on there. My favorite, who I'm still a huge fan of, is Don McCloskey. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recommend everybody look him up immediately. Um, I'm a huge fan of his his first three albums are incredible. Really amazing songwriter. Uh, Just a dude with his guitar, you know. But, uh, of course, the records are a little more fleshed out than that. um so you meet some amazing people like that and you know share the stage with them and you're like wow and for me that's really what i think the what it's come to is it's almost full circle if you say before radio it was whoever was playing in your in the venue that night it could be a traveling band it could be the local dudes it could be whatever but that's who you knew. And that's where it was. It was immediate. It was, this is where I am now. These are the people playing. Good times. Awesome. That was fun. And that's it. And because there's so much, you millions and hundreds of millions of recordings and just the sheer volume, you know, for you to find uh, something, yeah, sure, you can find something there. You can find, I mean, on the internet. Uh, good luck i mean yeah. we need we need a google of somehow to like spear fish and you there's so many you can't how are you going to be found in there you see you have a an eclectic taste in music absolutely um who were some of the guys that or bands girls that right. you grew up listening to well um the first i was just talking <laughs> the, the first record i ever bought as i'm an older guy uh, was uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons of Oh What a Night. You remember I moved to America, so when you're living in, in South America, if you're living in Chile, 
1975, you're watching uh, TV shows from like the 50s and the 60s. So you're like 10 years behind whatever's going on in America. I was watching Lost in Space, <laughs> which is like a 50s or 60s show. And uh, so I fast forward into America and it's like, boom, you know, big cars and highways. And um, so anyway, you know, Oh, What a Night, great song. That was my first record. That was your introduction. That to was my first. And then I bought the like the first Foreigner <laughs> album. And I don't, I, you know, Oh, What a Night's still a great song. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to deny that. And, and I like Foreigner for what they are, too. But it's not the kind of music I really listen to. But that was kind of the gateway I, into. Yeah, that was like my first record. Then, uh, then I started listening. And what really got me into playing music was punk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, my brothers were into the Clash and the Sex Pistols. Awesome. And when I listened to those, and you know, I was kind of plunking around on guitar just for fun. My some buddies, I, I was actually. After I moved to America, we we moved to Papua New Guinea for a while, and that's where I picked up guitar because my my buddies played, the wow. my Australian buddies played, and they were like doing Beatles songs, and they're like, "Hey man, you want to learn some, you know, play some guitar with us?" And I was like, "Sure," you know, because I was friends with them. It really wasn't about the music at all. Uh, it was just because my friends are doing it, so I'm gonna do it too, and. Uh, that lasted a little bit. I, of course, wasn't very good. I was just starting to play. But then I got back to America, and I, and I heard the, the uh, Sex Pistols and the, and the Clash. And, of course, they weren't playing on the radio. Those kind of, they didn't get any airplay oh, back then. Yeah. No, it was all underground. Never, but now. luckily, my brothers were into that, and, uh, and I listened to it. And it's so powerful and visceral and easy. Yeah. You know, and I go like, oh my God, I can play that. And it actually sounds good when I play it. So it kind of revved you up and made you. Absolutely. And that was the first song, Clash City Rockers was the first song that I figured out on my own just by listening to it. And so that really opened up a lot of doors because once you you figure out, oh, I can just listen to it and figure out how to do it, then I can do anything. And so from there, I, I, I really was blown. And before, before I started playing it, I guess, we, where was that? Somehow I kind of went back to my favorites from the, the late 70s and early 80s. Van Halen, you know, I remember when Van Halen came on the, on the radio uh, in the late 70s or early 80s, whenever the hell that was. And I, it blew my mind, you know. We were in the big hair days of Peter Frampton and all that kind of thing. And here comes, I was like, what is this? <laughs> and so I, I wasn't playing guitar at the time, but that really, you stuck know, with you. it really stuck with me. And then I really was into Rush. And so as my playing progressed, I learned all the Van Halen stuff. I learned all Rush kind of everything, you know, and I became a very... Uh, uh, and even then went into classical. My friend was playing classical, so I learned a few cl- classical pieces. And I was really like getting more into like difficult guitar pieces or that needed practice and that kind of thing. Um, and then I kind of went into the whole business thing for a while and, and set the guitar aside for many years and then came back into it more as a singer-songwriter 
um, because I was like, well, if I can't, kind of just hides in the back of your mind. It does. You know, I don't think when you're a musician, I think it's always there. It's like, okay, you know, are you going to, when are you going to come back? It's It's a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. (laughs) And so, you know, originally I'd kind of envisioned, oh, I'll play guitar in a band. And, uh, but as time went on, I was like, well, I don't know that many people around here and I'm just going to do the whole thing myself. And I started singing um, and the only way I could really sing was to sing full, full force, you know? So it took me a while to learn like my voice control and to be able to sing, but at a lower voice, when I first started singing, it sounded horrible unless I gave it full force. And then when I gave it full force, you could hit the notes you wanted to hit. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that actually sounds good. <laughs> so if you, there's any recordings of my early open mics around, you know, people are always like, yeah, why is it so loud? That was the only way I could sing. <laughs> and then getting, so that's when I really started writing songs. I wrote a few songs, started going to open mics. Then I went to the ones in the city where there was really good people. And I was like, wow. And that really uh, stepped up my songwriting game quite a bit. And then uh, I moved, Then I spent more time up here in the Hudson Valley and got more exposed to places like Snugs. And um, over in Connecticut, what was my favorite place was uh, Cousin Larry's over there. And I met people. And then it was more bands for me. It was more people jamming together. And that was something that I hadn't really experienced since my, my college days very minimally. So... And there's something about playing with a band that that really amplifies your your power of persuasion because when you have a groove and a beat and you know it instantly communicates to people. It's difficult to be a singer songwriter sometimes. I played many shows, uh, especially actually in Silver Springs when I was mostly doing it, and I would take my amp and my guitar and I would go to some bars and coffee shops. And it was kind of lonely because it was just me. Uh, and I'd set everything up and I'd play. And generally, I would get drowned out by the sound, uh, the background right. sound. So, yeah, when you're in a band, you're kind of a gang almost. Right. And you do things together and you go through that experience together, whether you're awesome or you suck or whatever kind of night you're having. And, uh, you Still know, got each other. Exactly. Yeah, that camaraderie. And also, the sound is, you know, it's loud so you're not competing against the the volume of the room but more than that too i understand what you're saying and about locking in with those members and there's something uh you know kind of communal when you're all in the same you know beat and you know you're on you know and you're having a good show and also just there's you know if if you have a, a drummer and a bassist who can create a groove right you will get people's attention yeah uh, women will be dancing or moving or tapping their feet or and in, especially if you can take a little bit away and create space, then people will actually you you will they will suck towards gravitate you, towards gravitate you. right yeah. towards you. Um, of course, a lot of bands get up there and just you know blast away. A lot of times, they'll literally blast the audience away from them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, especially if they're too loud in a small room. Too loud, too much. Yeah. It's like I might even like you, but I don't want to. I like my hearing too. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that is something I think bands, especially in the city, when you play in these small rooms, 
uh, definitely should like we tried to keep it in mind because we like to play loud and we like rock and roll and turn it and crank sure. it up too but like yeah. you know if there's a people there that are sticking around to watch you and they maybe like you said like your songs you're going to scare them off if you're yeah. making their eardrums bleed and, and honestly if it's good it's going to be good at a very low volume exactly and i and that's one of the things i i kind of learned by i was like let me let me learn about playing to the public and that's why i went out for about two or three years to just play on the streets to see okay what draws people in you know what kind of thing and what pushes people away and you know right i sang in the subways a few times you know Did with you? my acoustics absolutely and uh how'd you make out in cash i always wondered not not it wasn't you know because i was a singer songwriter at the yeah. time and so the thing about a singer songwriter is you almost you need the the attention it's like okay here i am here's my song you're paying attention to me right whereas if you're playing music it can just be in the space you don't need to pay attention to it you can hear it you can appreciate it you can ignore it yeah um but if you're a singer song if you're if you're up there with a guitar and somebody and you can ignore that person too but it's a lot you feel it a lot more mm. because it's like well that's all there is that's all i've got for you is right me and you know if you if my song isn't getting you then i don't i didn't get you yeah whereas if you have a groove you know somebody can walk by with a smile on their face and and you know they're feeling it so um, what type of uh, acts would you say do well in that type of environment? Like the drummers on the, you yeah. know, playing Rith the... Uh, rhythm. Yeah. Because everybody has rhythm. Yeah. And so rhythm is the, is the communicator. Um, absolutely. Rhythm. Uh, I like a lot of what I hear in the subways because of the sound, you know, the way it echoes. But definitely like a groove something like a soundtrack for your day or for yeah. your time in the subway. Some of those people are incredibly talented. And uh, generally, you know, I, I always try to tip them when I can. And uh, But some sometimes it's a little intrusive. Like sometimes people will get on the subway car, right. and like a mariachi band, right. like you're going to work in the morning. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, you know, maybe your head's a little hurting from having yes. a couple of drinks the night before or something. The last thing you want to hear is a mariachi yeah. band. Or whoever else comes on is like, hey, attention everybody, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you're just like, please, yeah. please. <laughs> yes, but, uh, indeed. But no, in some of the, like, you know, I think Union Square or like, you know, I don't know. I, there's so many bands that are just set up in the subway stations and you walk by and you're like, holy shit, they're amazing. Yeah, you know, they're amazing. really talented. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's the origin of 6-7? How did that band well, it, as I was in the doing the open mic scene, you know, I'm, hi, I'm Pat Fitzgerald. And, uh, you know, being a businessman and a marketing guy, I was like, well, you need something to kind of stand out. And a lot of people always do ask me, how, how tall are you? But so that's an easy thing to come up and just say, I'm six, hi, everybody, I'm 6'7". Yeah. <laughs> but it, Is but, that where the name comes from? Well, it comes from that, but it also comes from uh, a Pixies song. Oh, okay. Uh, if the devil, uh, it's uh, this monkey's gone to heaven. Where in the middle he's like, if the, and if man is five, man is five, and then the devil is six, and if the devil is six, right. then God is seven. And so, yeah, I think you know, for me, really, it it is more like that. We are 
indeed uh, heaven and hell at the same time. Uh, we are the devil and God at the same time. And we can choose which aspects we want to be and who we are and how we live and how we feel. And I think that's just an, just what it means to be human. It that's is, deep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so um, I call myself six seven, and then you know, in the internet, it I tried like the number six and then seven, but you can't start your your uh, domain name with a, a number. Oh, is that right? Right. So it's S I X, and then, and then the, the number, number seven. seven, and. Uh, so I was performing on that, you know, I really fell in love with the, the sidewalk cafe and the anti-folk scene. I was like, these are my people, there's awesome people here. And then one of them came up with the, the logo, which of course you're not going to see on the, the podcast, but some guy just came in and he's like, my, my buddy is a gra- graphic designer and uh, he made this for you. That's cool. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because that's totally awesome. That is awesome, yeah. <laughs> The and, seven goes into the X and the six. Right, exactly. That's sick. And uh, so he's just, and I'm like, oh, I can't pay anything more. He's like, he doesn't want any money. He just did it, you know, because he likes doing that. And That's awesome, man. So then I, so that was my branding, my branding thing. And I still like it. You know, if you see my CD, like in a, in a stack of a hundred CDs, it will be one that that's like, that's, that's the different one right there. Um, which is basically a black and white six seven. Um, so that's that's where that really came from. So how many records do you have? The I basically how many records did you do? I have I would say two recordings. There's about uh, maybe about twenty songs on iTunes and Spotify. Um, some of them are just little short pieces, and I've written many more songs than that, but. Um, the the later part of my career, the past maybe six or eight years, I ended up getting a divorce from my my woman for many you know for a quarter of a century. I was with this my first lady, and uh, have gone through a lot of deep changes in my life um, that have made me reexamine. Uh, you know where I'm coming from, and my my ego has uh, taken a back seat for a lot of um, the past five years, eight years, and so I have a lot of music, but the reason to bring it forward before was a lot of it was ego based. It was uh, this is awesome, I'm awesome, this needs to be played, let's go do this and go out there and do that. And I still feel that way, but there's something about like getting up on stage and doing that that I'm still coming to terms with as far as you know where the ego fits in with that. Um, I think I've really gone through like a full circle, and I do feel like I, I my, I'm on much more grounded, uh, solid footing of who I am and what I do and what I want to be doing and what I want to be out there. So a lot of my songs, that the song I played for you, Goodbye Summertime, was actually the, the really the last song that I produced and recorded as a song. Um, 
And it was a point in my life where I was I was actually suicidal, and that's why it's called Suicide Pop Song, but I didn't want to write a uh, a down song. I mm. didn't want to write a sad song. I it, never would have guessed. I mean, yeah. when you told me the second title, and then I was like, oh, well, that sounds very sort of morbid. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't really kind of fit the the thematic kind of feeling of or that's not the right word but the feeling that i got from the song with the whistling right and you were talking about a, I believe a sunny day yeah so i was like um i thought that was i i, I thought it was more of a, a happy song so right. i'm i'm interested to hear that um yeah it has actually a much darker meaning. yeah that was that yeah. was like i was i had given up on a lot of things but it shows you what your mind can do because your mind put put me in a place my mind put me in a place that was like this, you know, I can't take anymore. I'm going to have, I'm going to kill myself. I've got, I've got three children. Yeah. And what, what, that's really what saved me. Cause when I did say, I was saying goodbye to everything. And that's why it's goodbye summertime. I was saying goodbye to the summer, goodbye to the sun, goodbye to everything. And, uh, it's still a little emotional for me to talk about, you know, now it's probably 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to my children and, and I was like, that's impossible that can't be right and so luckily i had that you know i knew that whatever my mind was saying could not be correct because i knew that wasn't how the story was supposed to end Mm. that i'm supposed to leave these beautiful children you know so so it's a love of for your children that really got you through that absolutely absolutely and so that basically was a it was like okay if if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and you think you want to kill yourself and you know that that's wrong let me just stop doing everything let me just let me just put everything down and say okay what i'm just here i'm doing my thing i'm going to do the right thing but i'm not really dictating what's going on and that's that's basically the that part of songwriting and getting out there on stage and what I call the ego is my ego. I really put my ego cut off a lot of things I had read at the time. <clears throat> Very powerful books, thankfully that that had come into my life at the time. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, um, mm. some other ones as well. But he was especially the, the book when I read it. It was it was moving to me. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but does he also believe in kind of the secret type of mentality where if you think and manifest things, it'll come true? In uh, no, I would say he is all about being embodied. Okay. And that, that all prayer and all meditation oh, I'm is sorry, really... Oh, I'm sorry. I did read that book. And that yeah. is about, the whole book, if I'm correct, is about letting go of your ego because it drives your exactly. existence. And, that was a fantastic book. And that you you can be, if you're in your body, literally, you feel your heartbeat. Yeah. You experience the, 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 the temperature on your skin. You listen. So if you listen, if you really look and see without judgment, and, uh, and that was a, a, a complete paradigm shift for me. And it did enable me to be like, okay, well, life is actually pretty good right now. And so the story in my mind of this is horrible, you know, I'm losing my my marriage, uh, I fell in love with this person and that's not working out, and uh, you know, my business and everything else that, that could be happening and made me realize, well, it's a beautiful day, the sun is shining. 
I'm perfectly safe and I have food and it tastes good and this bed feels wonderful. You know, simple things like that are so easy to forget if you get caught up in your mind. So you kind of change the frequency. Change the frequency. Of your thoughts. But there, there still is a place for ego. Yeah, I mean, that that's something that I, I think everyone wrestles with daily, um, you know, including myself for sure, you know. So I don't think you're, I, but I understand that uh, what you're saying, but it's, uh, and it, the fact that, you know, it's, you seem to are in a really good place and we're able to readjust that. Right. Was there any, tr- do you meditate or how, how are you? Absolutely. That's, that's, you know, and, and life really has not gotten easier for me right. with the, with the thing in Poughkeepsie, which has been a, a struggle financially. Mm. Um, I've never really been this poor since before, you know, since I was a teenager, um, at least in day to day, you know, I'm, the investment is in the building and that has value if whenever it's sold. But in the meantime, it's like, well, I'm not making any income. I'm just paying my bills. Um, so, what, what, so meditating is, yeah. is basically that, uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle was a, a door opener. And then I started, um, I wanted to get into meditation. I, I looked into Kundalini um, and started following um, Yogi Bhajan, who who was the person who popularized uh, Kundalini yoga. And uh, of course, it's all on video. It's all on YouTube. And um, I was able to break through my mind with the with their first exercise, which is basically hold your hold one arm at a at an angle kind of like a Heil Hitler and hold the other arm behind you at the same angle, uh, angling downwards and then hold that for nine minutes. Damn. And at first, uh, you know, I did it four or five times or tried to do it. And it's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Meanwhile, you're looking at the video and here's, you know, women, men, all kinds of people and they're doing it. And finally I said, I'm going to do it. And my arm's going to fall off. And of course my arm didn't fall off. It was all in my mind. Sure. And the exercise is really about overcoming you that. overcoming your mind and your what your mind is limiting you by saying, I can't do it, I can't do it. And uh, and from there I went into the, um, his, his, he says, if you do this uh, satanama every day for an hour, uh, for 30 days, you'll clean, your karma will be cleansed, your actions will be cleansed. And I did it for 30 days, and I didn't really feel it made that much of a difference. So basically, I just kept doing it. And uh, you, I really have had the, the most deep understandings about myself and about the universe and about a lot of things from simple meditation. Um, and from there, I kind of developed my own meditation, a love meditation, which is uh, you f- literally say, I love you, Pat. And when you say those words, you say, you f- I love you, Pat. Everyone says that or no, you, you no, no, of course <laughs> you say, you, you say your name. And, but even saying that in today's world, I think a lot of people, you know, and when I tell people about it, it, it makes people a little uncomfortable yeah, because they're not used to saying that they're not used to hearing it. And I think a lot of what we, we do in society is, is you're not good enough. And that makes people say, yeah, I am. And want, like kind of follow you. And there's nobody saying, yeah, you are good enough. And you should tell yourself that. 
And when you when I say the words to myself, I love you, Pat, I actually feel a slight sensation. And in meditation, I would just say, okay, let me just feel that all over. And I would actually like become buzzing and glowing. And I would just sit there in that feeling for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. How often do you do you do it daily? I actually don't meditate as much as I should be yeah. anymore. I've, I've started to meditate like in pieces throughout the day, but it's not the same. If you meditate in the morning every time, for 20 minutes. then you can kind of keep it going throughout the day. And when you don't meditate, then you just kind of forget about it. But it definitely helped me through my darkest times. Mm-hmm. And those truths, I know those truths are still true. And so... Um, Do you think when you have a thought like that, is that some kind of message from a divine energy or is that information already inside of you and you're just discovering it? Hmm. Well, I think we are divine energy. We are creation. Obviously, we're part of creation. Creation is part of us. And I do, it is microcosm and macrocosm. So, it's there's truths that we know because we are creation and so yet you already know the answer it's not coming from out it is it just is it's not from the outside or from the inside it just is and when you're able to quiet your mind then these understandings are there and they they just take time it's like god it doesn't shout hey this is how to do it in fact, it's it's barely, barely a whisper. And the only way to hear what you already know is to stop all the chatter of everybody else. Which is can be very, yeah. very difficult. You know, imagine in, in, in the meditations I've realized that, okay, we're living creators. When human beings can put away the stuff and come together in, in the same vibration we are going to create literally universes with our minds and with our spirit that i know is our destiny and it sounds probably crazy to a lot of people listening right now but i know that's the truth currently we're going through things that we have to go through to get to where we're going and that's where we are so in the meantime you know we struggle with our our creative we've been given this creative thing and we're like okay i'm going to create a car i'm going to create a microphone i'm going to create a rocket ship i'm going to create this and that and that and we can you know physically do it but um the the vibration of creation is why everything's here it's really a vibration I'll explain to you in, in just two seconds of, of something that also came to me through meditation okay. and understanding is that musically, two notes sound better together. There are certain frequencies that actually complement each other and strengthen each other. Obviously, octaves are one, but there's, there's others as well. And there's also frequencies that are dissonant that don't go as well together to make kind of like a wobbly wah, 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 or maybe even worse, a dissonant sound. Yeah. And so they're all out there. All vibrations, of course, we're, we're all atoms and it's all vibrations, everything's vibrating. And certain things will vibrate at a certain frequency which goes together. 
and those are stronger than the things that vibrate at a certain frequency that are dissonant and break apart. And that's not to say that the break apart isn't there. It is there. But the stuff that vibrates together is a little bit stronger than the stuff that vibrates not together. So we're stronger together. Creation. Than divided. Exactly. Because of the nature of vibration, certain vibrations go together on an atomic level. That's why oxygen and hydrogen go together because they vibrate and they're like, I like this. It's a match. It's a match. Yeah. Uh, just like an, an E and an A go together or a fifth goes together. Um, and so of those vibrations in space and time, creation happens. And even though it's breaking down, entropy happens all the time. Creation wins. And that's why we have creation. Because creation just is that much more powerful than the, the dissonance. I like that philosophy. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, Just, I want to clarify one thing. When you say create universes, what do you meaning? What do you mean by that exactly? Well, I think it's, it's, it's beyond the scope of my, of my uh, imagination. You know, literally, I think universes, I think. Do you uh, think with our minds here, we're creating universes and not even aware mm, of it? I think that's probably true. Mm. Yeah. I think that is probably true because, you know, think about it. If you feel angry and upset, you are creating that for sure in your body, in your mind. Your body is is now tense. Your heart beats up faster. Your cells get the message, there, and you're vibrating at a you know there's a problem or this is not right or it's not an easy. Oh, I'm in love and I'm just sitting here relaxing in yeah. the sun. And then your body hears that. So, so as the creator of your universe in your body, which I think physics pretty much says, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, quarks, well, not quarks, um, <clears throat> spooky, spooky action at a distance. I don't know if you know this stuff, but oh man, you're on yeah, your own here. Yeah, no, they're there's they're 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 finding very strange things that that a change in this part you know, light years away or miles away can affect something instantaneously. It's called spooky action. Look it up. There's all kinds of bizarre phenomena. Is that kind of like string theory in some it, way? It, or is that it is, something uh, different, like it's, it's particle universes. physics. It's particle physics in, in, that's been tested and theorized. But yeah, crazy stuff. So so literally it's it's kind of like a... What is that Star Trek thing where they beam the people down? <laughs> that, that's basically what it beam is. Me up. Yeah, beam me up. Scotty. You can be over there by changing particles over here. Um, of course, they're just testing it with like one little one little subatomic particle. Whoa, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's got a long way to go before it's like putting a whole body together. But um, Well, going from deep space yeah. back to Poughkeepsie... <laughs> Uh, I do want to ask you, oh, well, first, um, who are some of the bands that have done shows at my place that really stand out? Because did you have Dissolve play? I I wonder, you know what, um, Paul from Dissolve has definitely played there a number of times. Okay. Now, I don't think Dissolve as a band played there. Okay. I think parts of them have played there in various, in various, various things. In fact, I've played with parts of them as well there. <laughs> Um, 
And, you know, so for me, the, the Hudson Valley scene is, is pretty new. I came up as a singer-songwriter, knew a lot of singer-songwriter folks from the Cubby Hole yeah. over in uh, that Vassar. was a great place. Yeah, that's actually what brought me to Poughkeepsie. Is that right? Uh, as I'd go to the, the Cubby Hole on Tuesday Did nights. open mics? Oh, open mic. Yeah. And then I would go over to Snugs, which used to have the Tuesday open mic. They moved it to Thursday. Um, and I saw so I'd hit both because, you know, the Snugs just got rolling like at 1130 at night. <clears throat> Uh, HR from Bad Brains yeah. played. He played. That must there. have been cool. That was, was cool. It, uh, I watched a documentary on Bad Brains, and I, I love Bad Brains. H, uh, HR seems a little bit, uh, yeah, off, like you know, I think a little it, off or something. His, he's had uh, some mental things. Yeah. Um, I tried to speak to him a few times and he smiled and and seemed to understand what i was saying mm. but was not able to respond to me in any kind of way this was two years ago i've actually heard that he's improved since then um yeah he came by he played the pizza shop with his with the dub agents kind of a a reggae kind of thing that he's been doing that's awesome it was awesome what was he like that when he was performing or did he kind of snap out of that when he, he was on the stage he was on stage they they did the set you know he, he was practiced he did his thing um <clears throat> it really wasn't like a front man kind of thing where he's he's c- communicating with the, the people and uh you know talking or singing with them and getting it going it was more like a performance um i think that's just where he was at the time um i have heard that he's better now um anyone that you'd like to have play that hasn't uh probably don mccloskey i would love to have don mccloskey come up and play uh the thing is you know it's um there's not in poughkeepsie it's not like enough of a scene where people are just coming by every night to to come and hang out and see who's playing so currently it's the it's the whole paradigm which yeah. of the bands bring the people so then it's the bands who have friends who come out to go see them plus their other bands friends and that's basically what we do we throw parties for people who play music when i was growing up hardcore music in Poughkeepsie was a very special thing and there was always shows uh, mostly at the Chance other places um, but there was a lot of kids that go out and see these at the you know they weren't like huge bands they were right. local bands that had a local following and they were awesome yeah um, and I don't know I mean what's different now than back in the day Besides, is it the internet? Are people watching stuff online and like already caught that so I don't need to go out? Right. Well, I think that might have kind of been the case for a little while, but I think it's coming back around. And actually the hardcore scene was one of the most successful parts of My Place Pizza. Yeah, you have a significant amount of hardcore shows right yeah i'm trying well, to do other we, ha- we have i think they have more options now so yeah. they're they're actually playing all over the place um not as much at my place but many many of them have said you know this this place really like kept it going it was the only thing that was going for a few years there and um you know one thing the the hardcore scene these people come out for their shows it's yeah. like no, we need we go support diehard fans. It's like yeah. uh, if these guys are playing, We're we there. go and support them. Yeah, and so as far as like a DIY, as far as 
keeping it going out of all the kinds of music that are out there. The hardcore people are the people who are really making it happen. You know, they, I've had people, they come from Massachusetts to see a band play. Yeah. And yeah. if they, they go down to Long Island to play, they're like, okay, we're going to Long Island. And, the, you know, 30 people will drive out to Long Island, plus whoever's already on Long Island. And uh, it's hard to argue with that kind of, uh, that passion, you know, especially it's not, I don't really see it in anything else. The, what we have other than that is like pop punk, the younger bands who are playing more, uh, you know, Green Day, Green Day ish kind of stuff. stuff. And you know, they come out, they they invite their friends, and it's fun, it's good times. Um, yeah. Any crazy stories come to mind? I think I heard mm. one. There's lots of crazy that, stories. Uh, a, a pit uh, broke out, and uh, one of the mirrors was uh, yeah was lost in the well that we we actually lost more than one mirror (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately yeah we did have to uh tone down the the hardcore shows a little bit at at first they were very respectful and uh but then after i don't know maybe it was probably a lot probably like 30 shows or 20 shows as as usually is what happens is people get a little more comfortable and of course they do want to they do want to get physical they do want to jump around. Yeah, it's part of the whole yeah. environment, right? It's, it's part the of the whole environment. And I'm fine with that. Dancing. But yeah, but when you start, you know, and there's places like I played Popeyes down in Peekskill where there was it was plywood on the walls. And, uh, you know, you could throw yourselves against the wall and it's like you're not going to break the plywood. Right. <laughs> And uh, and I dug that, and I play. I loved Popeyes. I love dive bars. They're my favorite places. But um, unfortunately, if you're not in a place like that, and you start breaking walls and mirrors, then you're, then if somebody like me is like, well, you know what? That's where I draw the line. Yeah, you know, you can't be breaking down my my uh, shop. Understandable. So. You know, I I I put out what I what I thought was a very reasonable thing. It's like I love what you guys do. You guys are the definition of DIY. Um, but I do have to draw the line at uh, at bleeding yeah. and uh, breaking breaking walls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, no. You know, when when it's there, then you have that line of um, okay. Well, we're irreverent and we do what we want and we're hardcore and well now there's a line and we can't do what we want and we can do it but we can't do it you know all all the way we want to do it and that gets some people upset and i'm like that's fine yeah you know i'm sure somebody's got a basement you go (laughs) play in and there's places like popeyes around somewhere where there's uh plywood on the walls this I I don't I like having them there. They're great, good people, and they support the business, and they make great music. Recycled Earth is an inc- these are incredible musicians, mm-hmm. really good um, musicians and bands. Um, I think some of them are having kids now, so you know now they're entering that stage. As my kids are like getting graduating from college. I'm kind of getting into music again. It's like, okay, well, my kids are now grown. Now I can go back into playing music more without really the responsibilities of of the kids to see a lot of these younger kids 
bands uh you know now they're becoming young fathers and uh you know i know the end is is pretty much in sight for that maybe you could um find some happy medium like put up like a bounce house or something in front of <laughs> yeah. the stage and let them mosh in there that, you know you know what there are hardcore um i don't know what the the difference is there's certain like um like sex, sex subcategories yeah. or whatever but i've had hardcore shows there where where girls are in there and people yeah. are respectful and they're and they're still doing their thing but they're aware yeah um, of what they're doing but when like a 250 pound man starts windmilling in the crowd and knocks a, a woman yeah. to the floor which has happened i'm like dude you're your full grown man yeah. you're a huge dude yeah you gotta respect you know at least yeah. respect other people you know you can't just go do that i mean that's where response with great power comes great responsibility yeah, yeah, yeah. you know now that's um it starts off harmless enough right but uh i've definitely walked out of there with bloody nose and black eye and yeah and stuff like that so yeah exactly. you gotta be cautious or aware of your surroundings and yeah. you know so when so when i kind of had to be the adult and be like okay well this is where the line is guys that kind of took a, some of the air out of the whole thing um which is which is okay you know because i'm not going to be okay with with it going down that way and i do think that there should be a place uh somewhere there maybe is maybe is a place that people really don't talk about that much you know it's like you don't talk about fight club yeah because you want it to to remain something that you can do <laughs> yeah I, do, I don't know i mean i know for us growing up um sometimes we would just jam in a parking lot or a garage or basement right. yeah. or wherever we could hook up and um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, invite uh, some friends and have and have some beers. Yeah, and, you know that's pretty real. But, um, but once you start talking about insurance and liability yeah, and I mean, police and ambulances, yeah. that's and, not fun for anyone. No, because then everybody's like, okay, uh, you can do it, but now you're gonna have to pay like right. big bucks. And everybody's like, no, we don't want to pay big bucks. We want to just do have it. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I do want to ask, so what's the what's the future of My Place Pizza? And where do you want to take it? Well, where do you envision a, the future going? That's a great question because, like I've been saying, as this whole thing has been, my whole life has been progressing, is it's, no, you don't really, you're not going to be making pizza anymore. You're not going to be doing that. So I think My Place Pizza, as far as me being there, um, I'm not sure that's going to continue forever and ever or even for a very long time. I think it's the kind of thing where, um, you know, now I'm older, I've been through this a number of times where you, you have a great place and there's a certain energy there and you enjoy it while you can mm. because it's, it might not be there forever. Um, I do think Poughkeepsie is, is poised to, to continue taking off. I think it's, years before we get like new york city or or maybe even beacon sure. where it's like oh no you know we ha it's it's there's too much money here to be made one of the reasons why it works is because the music actually helps bring in business yeah at a certain point when restaurants are busy the music will actually push away business if people are there to buy food and and so people will be like well i got a busy restaurant 
why am I going to throw a band in here that's kind of alienate some people? Mm-hmm. So you need that balance where where it used to work in the village is actually where it's working in Poughkeepsie uh, because there's plenty of space and there's more people there when the music is playing than when the music is not playing. So um, I think it's going to be that way for a while. I think we're going to be there for a while. I don't have like a lot of other choices. I would say we're, we're there for at least a few more years doing what we do. And, you know, I would love for it to be uh, a successful ongoing thing um, that I would be there making the pizza is the part that I, I don't think is going to be happening um, a year or two from now. She might take a, you're saying more of a backseat yeah. to it? Okay. Yeah, because what I really am best at uh, is playing music live. And a lot of people, my contemporaries, you don't really know that. Nobody does because I haven't been doing it for, oh, it's coming up on a decade now. Um, so that's that's where I, I need to focus my energy, kind of like bringing the music to the front of the pizza shop <clears throat> and playing the, and having the music up front is like we're a rock and roll pizza shop. It's not a pizza shop with rock and roll. But that's one step more towards just plain old rock and roll and honestly i do want to retire from from work quote unquote retire uh by traveling around and playing music with my friends and making people feel good and make them dance and uh, make enlighten enlighten people because music really is magic and how could you trade magic for uh making pizza Mm -hmm. and making pizza is magic too that's true, oh, man. but for me personally, you got to go with what you really is the magic for you, right? And you can't say I'm going to be making pizza as my magic and I'm going to be making music as my magic. You got to you got to choose, and you got to focus your intention on what you love uh, as only you can. Well, I I hope you pursue that. It sounds like I I you are. And I wish you the best. And I would, uh, I hope my place pizza is around for many, many years to come. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been there and, since 1975. Yeah. So we've got close to four. Uh, what is it? But you, know. you coming in added a, a special years. ingredient, and yeah. especially adding that music component. And I, and I like what you said too about bringing music to the forefront. Not only did you bring it to the forefront of the store. You brought it to the forefront of your life, and mm-hmm. uh, you really made it your priority, and that's your love. And, um, I mean, that's cool. Another that's, step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Pat, thanks so much Thank for you, coming Mark. in, man. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that no, I didn't? No, I think make? we covered everything, uh, you know, exhaustively. All right. Well, I had an awesome time talking with you. Yeah, me too. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks for having me in. All right, cool. We'll do it again. Peace out, Transmodians. <laughs>